Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. For this program, we're going to ask two hugely important questions. Number one, why did God put you on earth? And number two, why did Jesus come to earth? To answer those two questions, would you turn with me in the New Testament to Mark chapter 10, and let's pray first. <clears throat> Father, we pray if there is anyone watching this program who has not yet discovered why they are on earth, speak to them, Lord. And even more importantly, if anyone doesn't know the precise reason Jesus came to earth, may they learn that now. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 32. And they, Jesus and the disciples, were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, Jesus began to tell them what was to happen to him. Now, why are the disciples afraid as they head toward Jerusalem? Because that's enemy territory. That's where the Pharisees live, who want to kill Jesus. And so, um, <clears throat> lesson number one for today. Jesus did not run from suffering. Jesus knew it was God's will for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. So he's not running from the suffering, he's running to it. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Here is a missionary pilot who is flying supplies and such into Afghanistan for a Christian mission. Very dangerous. Who knows if he'll live, but he's doing it for the sake of Christ. I would encourage you to watch, you can go and rent the DVD, it's a Martin Scorsese movie called The Silence. It's about the persecution of Christians in Japan in the 1600s. It's very difficult to watch, it's very depressing, but you come out of that movie asking yourself, would I die for Christ? First lesson is, don't run from suffering. It's part of the Christian calling. Look at verse 33. Jesus said, See, disciples, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Now, this is the third time in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus predicts he's going to rise from the dead. So here's the next lesson. Jesus knew he would rise. I read a horrible article in the liberal Lutheran magazine of the liberal Evangelical Lutheran Church in America denomination, written by a religion professor at one of our Lutheran colleges, and he said this in the article, quote, 
The resurrection to earthly life had to be a surprise for Jesus. Jesus is surprised. He is shocked. He has changed and the resurrection has changed him. Jesus no longer makes sharp divisions about separating sheep from goats, etc., etc. I thought, I read that, I thought, what? <laughs> Three times in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus predicts, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise. Of course he knew it. Beware of Christian professors at some of our Christian Lutheran colleges and what they teach. I would send no one to Augustana, Augsburg, uh, Gustavus Adolphus, or Concordia Moorhead. I wouldn't. Look at verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Here's the next lesson. Be quick to listen. James and John come with their, no offense, stupid request. We're going to find out in a minute. And Jesus just calmly, okay, what do you want me to do? And he slows down and he listens to them. It says in the book of James chapter 1, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So, do you hear people out? Do you try to slow down and listen to what they're saying? Or you always got in your head what you're going to say next? <laughs> Jesus is going to listen to this. So here's what happens, verse 37. And James and John said to Jesus, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. They think when they get to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to kill Pilate and become king of the world, and they want to sit on either side of him. They don't get it yet. Uh, and Jesus said to, the, to them, You do not know what you are asking. So here's the next lesson. Praise God he does not answer all your prayers. You know, Jesus is not going to answer James and John's request here. He's going to basically say no. And haven't you had this experience where maybe you can think of something you prayed for years ago, God didn't answer it, and today you're saying, thank you, you didn't answer it. I remember Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham Bell, said, quote, I have lived to thank God he has not answered all my prayers. If he had, I'd have married the wrong man five times. <laughs> Verse 38, Jesus says to them, Are you, James and John, able to drink the cup that I drink? The cup is the wrath of God for our sins. Jesus is about to drink that on the cross to take our punishment for us. And uh, are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Again, that's the reference to his cross and suffering. And they said to him, We are able and again, they don't know what they're talking about. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. In other words, James and John, you will suffer for me. And about ten years after Jesus said these words, King Herod killed James with the sword. So here's the next lesson. Prepare to suffer for Christ. As I read through the Gospel of Mark, it's frequent in there that when you follow Christ in this world you're going to suffer. Let me tell you the story from 155 AD, the story of Polycarp. Please hear this story. A group of Christians was arrested and publicly tortured. This is in modern-day Turkey, but Smyrna was Greece back then. Germanicus, an elderly believer, was killed by wild beasts. 
The blood-crazed crowd then demanded that the authorities hunt down the bishop, Polycarp. Upon hearing the news that he was a wanted man, Polycarp hid out with some friends for a period of time. But during his hiding, he had a vision that he took to mean, Polycarp, you are to die for Christ. When his hiding place was discovered, he made no attempt to run, but he confronted his pursuers calmly and asked for a final meal and a time to pray, which they granted. Then they took him to the stadium. Upon entering the place, Polycarp was encouraged by a voice that said to him, Be strong, Polycarp. Show yourself the man. The proconsul said to Polycarp, Swear allegiance to Caesar, and we will set you free, but you must curse Christ. Polycarp gave his famous reply, quote, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? The proconsul threatened him with wild beasts. Polycarp did not budge. The proconsul said, we will burn you with fire. Polycarp replied, you threaten me with fire that burns for an hour and after a little while is extinguished. But you are ignorant of the fire of the coming judgment and of eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring what you will. Polycarp was sentenced to execution by fire. As the fire was, uh, was uh, constructed, he was thrown into the fire, but according to the ancient story, he was miraculously preserved and didn't burn until finally uh, he was uh, struck, I believe, with a sword, stabbed to death, and then the flames consumed him. All that happened back in 155 A.D., but you know it's still happening? I just got my persecution art, uh, magazine. You might want to get this for free, persecution.org. Here's what's happening right off the press. Egypt, the bombing of St. Mark's Cathedral in Cairo led to the deaths of 28 people and wounded many more. The suicide bomber detonated the, advice, the device during Sunday morning worship. He had ties to ISIS. Here's another one. Uganda. Muslim relatives of a former Islamic sheikh attacked his 60-year-old mother for converting to Christianity. Malik Hinyan publicly proclaimed his conversion to Christ last year and was beaten unconscious by his disapproving relatives and kicked out of the village. When his mother went to visit her ailing son, she also received Christ. She was similarly uh, given a head injury and a broken hand. Egypt. Yusuf Lamai, a Christian shopkeeper, was murdered by an Islamic radical outside his own shop. His attacker yelling, Allahu Akbar, God is great, and he slit the throat of Yusuf while his son watched. One more. Georgia, United States of America. Pastor Eric Walsh was fired from his position at the Georgia Department of Public Health after sermons he had previously delivered surfaced in which he criticized homosexuality. My point is, Christian, in this world, if you follow Christ, you're going to suffer. And, and I, I don't know what's going to happen next in the United States, but when you hear about Christian bakers and florists having to close their business because they won't do a gay marriage, or you hear about the Catholic Little Sisters of the Poor and the prior administration trying to force them to be complicit with contraceptives, and they said no, and then it's gone to court. And 
You know, only the Lord knows what's coming. My point is, let's right now start praying, God help me be faithful to you if persecution comes to America. Let's look at verse 20, excuse me, verse 40. Jesus said to James and John, But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Here's the next lesson. Jesus submitted all decisions to the Father. Now please follow this. Is Jesus fully God and equally God with the Father? And the answer to that is yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all equally God. Yet, nevertheless, the way the Trinity works is the Son always submits himself to the Father. It's kind of like marriage. Are male and females equally human beings? Yes. But the way marriage works, according to the Bible, is the wife should submit herself to the husband. So with Christ. You know, Jesus, we believe in one God and three equal and eternal persons, but still, in the Trinity, the Son always submits himself to the Father. And that's not just true now. It's going to be true at the end of time. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. God, the Father, has put all things in subjection under his, the Son's, feet. But when it says all things are put into subjection, it is plain that he, God the Father, is accepted who put all things in subjection under him, the Son. When all things are subjected to him, the Son, Jesus, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, God the Father, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. So my, my point in going into all this is this. If God the Son submits himself to God the Father in all his, his decisions, how much more do we need to do that? So let me ask you this. When you have a decision to make, do you just make it and go on, or do you stop? No, I've got to submit this to the Father. And do you pray about it? Do you read the Bible to see if the Bible gives you an answer on how to decide? Another thing you, you, great to do is, Proverbs says, in an abundance of counselors there is victory. So I'll go to some Christians and I'll say, give me some counsel. What do you think I should do in this situation? But Jesus submitted all decisions to the Father you do that too. Verse 41. And when the ten, the other disciples, heard it, they became angry at James and John. And Jesus called them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And boy, did they. Caesar ruled with an iron hand. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But <clears throat> it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. All right, so here's, here's the answer to that first question, if you remember at the beginning. Why did God put you on earth? That verse answers it. Here's why you're on earth. We are on earth to serve. That's why God put you on earth, to serve. This man says, I ever tell you how I got converted. I was in the army. There was one religious man in our troop, and we made fun of him. <clears throat> one day we came back from slogging in, in the field, and here he was praying next to his bed. So I took my muddy boot off, and I threw it at him, and I hit him on the head. He said, I woke up the next morning to discover here he had cleaned my boots, and he was shining my boots. 
And he said, that got to me, and I converted. <laughs> when you serve God, when you serve others, that can lead to people getting converted. That's why you're on earth. And verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, so the first big question is, why did God put you on earth? To serve. Now the bigger even question, why did God send Jesus on earth? And here's the answer. Jesus came to earth to be our ransom. You know, a lot of people think the reason Jesus came to earth was to bring peace on earth. Nope. Listen to this from Mark and Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother. And the reason why Mark 10:45 is an important verse is because it tells us the exact reason Jesus came to earth. And here it is again, to be our ransom. Now, let me explain what the word ransom means. <clears throat> Ransom comes from the slave trade of ancient Rome. Lots of ancient Romans were slaves, and they longed for their ransomer, their redeemer to come. And the word ransom or redeem, same word, means to pay a price to set a slave free. And it, back then it would happen rarely, but it would. Somebody would pay the price for the slave, and the slave would become a free Roman citizen. When we say Jesus is our ransomer, our redeemer, what we mean is, I was a slave to sin, I was going to hell, Jesus came, paid my price on the cross, he paid for my sins so God the Father could forgive me and I could go to heaven. That is why Jesus came to earth. Many years ago, there were wildfires going throughout the Midwest, and there was a rescue team that was going from farm to farm to make sure people were, were okay. They come across this one farmhouse that's burnt, totally black. They go inside, and here is a hen, charcoal hen, that is totally black and dead. But she has her wings spread out, so it looked kind of odd. So the, one of the men went and he kicked this charcoal hen over, and little chicks scurried out from beneath mother. That's what we mean when we say Jesus is our redeemer. I'm a sinner, I deserve the fires of hell. Jesus goes to the cross, takes that fire on himself. He's our substitute, paying for our sins so we wouldn't have to, so we could live for eternity. Now, keep that as central to everything you do. If you make something other than the ransom, the main thing in Christianity, you become a cult. I mean, we, we do our TV show, and I get letters from around the country. One now and then I'll get, Pastor Brock, you're a false teacher because you don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, which is so clearly taught in so many verses of the Bible. And I'm thinking, well, then how come, if, if it's true, how come most Christians for 2,000 years have not believed in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church? I mean, if you believe in that, oh, I know a lot of you do. Okay, I, I don't think you're a heretic, but I don't think you're right. But it's not central. Or how about this one? Pastor Brock, you're a false teacher because you teach that it's okay to worship on Sunday when we know the Old Testament Jews observe Saturday as the Sabbath. Well, you know, 
if you want to worship on Saturday, no big deal. But according to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13, you don't have to worship on Saturday. If you want to, go ahead. But don't make that central, especially don't make that a salvation issue. Then you've become a cult. Well, we, here's what Paul said. He says this in 1 Corinthians 2. When I came to Corinth, I wanted to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, we preach the ransom. We preach Christ as the Redeemer. That's central. That's what we need to keep central. And if you get off on something else, you become legalistic. I'll just close with this. I was a senior in college, and I got a phone call from my buddy, Dean. I still know Dean. He's on our board for our TV ministry here. And he says, Tom, there are some atheist philosophy students at the University of Minnesota and they want a Christian to come over and present the Christian gospel so they can argue with it. I don't want to go alone. Will you come with me? <laughs> and I said, ooh, well, okay. And we drove across town, and I remember Dean and I sat in the car before we went up to the door, and we prayed, Lord, may we stick to the cross. May we not get lost in all kinds of tangents. May we stick to knowing Christ crucified like Paul did in, in Corinthians. We go up and ring the doorbell. We go in the house. You can smell the marijuana. But here's the atheist sitting down, and Dean is asked to present the Christian gospel. And he did a great job. He explained we're all sinners. Uh, Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead. Believe in him, and you will be saved. He gets done with his little presentation, and one of the atheists says, but how do you expect us to believe that God got two of every species into one ark? I mean, are you kidding? That's, that's just impossible. How can you believe that? And Dean said, I believe it. God can do anything. He's a big God. But you don't have to believe in Noah and the ark to be saved. What you have to believe to be saved is that Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead. Another atheist says, well, but Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. I mean, the gastric juices he would have killed him so much. There's no way to believe that. I piped in. <laughs> I said, you know, I believe God can keep a man alive inside a fish for three days if God wants to. But you don't have to believe in Jonah to go to heaven. But you do have to believe that you're a sinner. Christ came to earth, lived a perfect life. He's the Son of God. He died for your sins, rose from the dead. And then you'll be forgiven. You'll go to heaven. Well, we kept doing this. We kept bringing it right back to the cross. And you could kind of tell it was starting to get to them. Well, we presented the gospel and... Uh, I don't know what they ever did with it, but here's my point. What's the reason Jesus came to earth? It's not to bring peace on earth. It's to bring you peace with God by dying on the cross for your sins. Christians, keep that central. We, we've talked about two huge questions today. Why did God put you on earth? He put you on earth to serve. Why did God put Jesus on earth? To pay our ransom that we may be saved. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about the persecution of that. Is there anything that we can really do for Christians that are suffering overseas when yeah. we're sitting here and not mm -hmm. doing that? No. Jackie, I, uh, the magazine I just held up a few minutes ago, it's called Persecution. You go to their website. It's, it's called International Christians Concern. It's where I give some of my money. 
you give them money and they help the Christians overseas and they send you for free a monthly magazine telling you horrendous stories of how our Christian brothers and sisters are being beheaded overseas so you'll know how to pray for them and you'll know how to give. You can get it for free, just go to persecution.org and ask for their magazine. Yep. Okay, but are there Christians being persecuted in America now? You know, nothing like in North Korea. But when you hear of a Christian florist who ha had to sell her business because she wouldn't do a gay wedding, it started here. It has started here. And uh, so, Jackie, it's just tragic to me. But um, when, when, you know, I, Illinois, I, I think it got undone. I'm, I'm pretty sure it did. But they were trying to force some people to be complicit with abortion. And that some doctors were saying no. And, and you know, so when you see this kind of thing starting, Canada has uh, passed a law that you uh, can't do hate speech. And some preacher was preaching against Jehovah's Witnesses for being a cult, which it is. And uh, he was brought up on charges because all religions are equally valid, according to some of these people in Canada. So it started, Jackie, but we're nothing like North Korea. <coughs> so is it all right then to flee from persecution? Yeah. Let's say, Jackie, that the liberal state of Minnesota, because politically we're pretty liberal compared to a lot of America. Let's say they pass some crazy law persecuting Christians. Is it okay to move to Nebraska? I think it is, because Jesus said to the disciples, when they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. You will not have finished going through all the towns of Israel before I come. So um, I think it's okay to flee, but when you can't flee and you have to either die or curse Christ, I hope I would die. Okay, we only have about a minute and a half left, Tom, but mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that um, Christians can find out what God wants them to do wants them to do to serve him. Right, because you know, our, the reason God puts you and I on earth is to serve. How do I serve him? You find out, you got to find out what your spiritual gifts are. There's 19 listed in the New Testament, 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like my gift is preaching, so that's what I do. Your gift may be mercy, so that's what you do. Other people have the gifts of helps, tongues, interpretation, healing, uh, administration. There's 19 gifts, but check out 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14 and pray and ask God what your gift is. That's where you serve him. Do people have more than one gift? You sure can. Okay. You bet. And, but you have to identify you have what to, you're... You've got to pray, and God, where, where have I been gifted? Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to thank you for being with us this week, and we just are so blessed by the viewers uh, that appreciate this show and contact us and tell us that. And um, we're expanding and adding some more channels and that. And you should check out our website because there's lots of good information there if you want to right, know anything. Right there. And it's right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so God bless you, and we'll see you next time on The Pastor's Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor's Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.